Hey there, and welcome to a Silver Lined Relaunch. And this is the podcast where I highlight those people that you love to follow, but you may not know what's really going on in their life. What relaunches have they really had? This is the forum for them to be able to tell us about those those mad adventures and also the silver linings that came from those that got them to where they are today. So today I have Alexia Vernon with me and she has been coined the Moxie Maven. And we're not talking about by, you know, the folks down the street. We're talking about the White House office of public engagement. So I know you're all like, okay, what does that even mean? Well, we're gonna be getting to that today. You're listening to the Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hillary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories, revealing how you too can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible. So, Alexia, welcome to the Silver Lined Relaunch. Are you ready to go? I am so ready to go. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Well, it's so fun. And I do. I love, first off, I love the word moxie. I do. It's just such a, it's a happy, it's a sassy, it's a like, what's it all about type of work. We're going to get there as you share your specific relaunch. So for those that don't know about you, and they soon will know a tremendous amount, can you share, share how you've gotten to where you are today? Absolutely. I am in many ways the least likely person to have built a career and a business around public speaking and high stakes conversations. Because if you had talked to me even a decade ago when I was already a coach and had my shingle out, those were two things that I hated doing probably more than anything else because they caused so much discomfort. But um, the focus of the work that I do now, which I'll just foreground before going back and explaining how I got there, is I support individual leaders, um, specifically in the coaching and consulting world, but also business leaders, as well as business teams to step into their moxie, by which I mean possess the mindset and the skill set to be able to walk into any room, into any conversation, onto any stage, and unapologetically speak up for themselves, for the ideas and issues that matter most to them, and call people to take action. Ooh, okay. So get on the stage for one. Be able to talk about what you really believe in and get people to want to follow you and want to step into that. Is there such a word as moxiness? <laughs> yes. Well, I call it moxiliciousness. <laughs> okay. I was going to say there's got to be. And if there's not, we're coining it right now. But I like moxiliciousness. Okay. But what was really fascinating is where you started and you said, but you know what? That wasn't my jam initially. You were not interested as you hung up that shingle and you're like, hey, I'm going to be doing this. You leaned into it. And there's reasons why, and we all, you know, every single person, I, in fact, I know only a few that are really like, get me on the stage with zero 
zero like little butterflies, even if it's butterflies for like, oh, this is going to be so cool. Like, oh my God, there's a thousand people out there. You still get those butterflies. You still get them one way or another. But for you, you needed to embrace the fact of like, if you're going to be, if you're going to be helping people with this, you needed to understand what they were going through. And And I certainly did because I've spent most of my life in an on again, off again relationship, that relationship being with my own voice, because one moment I would feel like I was tap dancing on eggshells, striving so hard to be liked and to give the right answers and to not be called out for failing to be enough of whomever, whatever I conjectured other people wanted me to be. But that wasn't the full story because on the other hand, And sometimes in really close proximity to those former times I described, I actually loved getting in front of an audience and performing, particularly if I was performing behind a character that helped quite a bit since I was acting in my first life. But I also had a lot to say and lots of ideas to express, but I couldn't reconcile that there were these two parts of me. And when I would open my mouth, I never knew what would come out. Would I be that person whose voice was quavering, who was sweating, who looked like they had just, you know, been on a dinner date with the devil? Or would I be that person who was present and was able to listen and who called people to take action? And when I started my coaching, I absolutely did not think that I was going to go down the path of helping other people with their communication. I'd come from the nonprofit sector. I worked uh, in an arts slash social justice organization embedded in a university. And so I thought I would do leadership development for change makers. And then I had the opportunity to be the closing keynote speaker at a prestigious social enterprise conference. And it was during that experience of watching what the Jewish side of my family would call a lot of mishigas unfold (laughs) at that event around women specifically, not valuing themselves and other women and men in the room also not valuing the women who were there to speak, that a big light bulb went off where I realized I had been in this really tenuous relationship with my own voice, but I was trying to have it both ways. On one hand, I was trying to follow a more masculine model of delivery. So even though I'm a sensitive introvert, I would go onto stages and I would fist pump and try to take up a lot of space and like do a Tony Robbins, like a really bad Tony Robbins (laughs) um, rendition of what I thought a motivational speaker could be. But then I also did a lot of feminine things but I didn't do them very well. So I would tell stories, but yet they were so overscripted that they didn't feel authentic. And it wasn't because I was being salesy or phony. It was because I was so terrified. I'd write out every single word I was going to say and memorize it. So there was no spontaneity, but I'd also do horrible things like use filler words. I would say, I think, I feel, I believe rather than just saying what I thought, what I felt and what I believed. But I also wasn't saying anything that stirred people up. Everybody agreed with me because I was saying what people already knew. And so. Okay. You've just said so many (laughs) great takeaways there. That was like a, I think that there were at least four or five tips in there. So first off, I just want to mention the whole idea of getting up and speaking your voice from who you are, not trying to be another, you know, to pretend that you're a man delivering whatever content. Oh my gosh. I got to tell you, Alexia, I, (laughs) Uh, my entire corporate 10 years at Oracle, that's what I did. 
I mean, I even remember somebody in, um, in one of the organizations, a senior vice president said, you know, it might be a good idea if you put some glasses on. And so, you know, maybe you should put your hair up and um, yeah, let's try to, you know, maybe drop your voice a bit because, you know, when you're getting going, it kind of goes, you know, higher. And I said, higher, higher, like a, a woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to remember. And by the way, I was told this numerous times, numerous times about how I should try to lean into this is the type of, you know, speech you should be giving. This is the type of, you know, to forget about, like you said, the emotion, just deliver the facts, just the facts. And I, I, when you said about, you know, the emotion and storytelling and how you memorized your stories, but then you delivered them very, you know, kind of that mono, what is it? Mono chromatic or what's it called when you're doing it in like that monotone. Yeah. Didactic. Yes. Thank you. That's it. And I want to say that now today it's so appreciated when you can deliver that story that hits home to not only the men in the audience but the women and it's like it's no longer about gender it's about the story itself and that's really i think what you're what you're going for is that that's what you started to realize that you had to find that inner voice you had to find how your how that was going to resonate not just with you know the men but the women but also yourself yes and and there was a tremendous sense of responsibility if i can do this for me then i have a responsibility to do this and show other people how to do the same oh how great is that but let me ask you so in terms of the significant relaunch that really impacted your world what was that? So in many ways, we're talking about the first one, although that's not the one I'm going to share most about. I gave you a sense so that people can appreciate who are listening or watching uh, where I came from. But really, 2020 into 2021 has been another uh, relaunch with a ton of silver linings, but also a ton of growth opportunities because as you might gather, as somebody who does a lot of work around presentation skills, I led a lot of live events. I spoke at a lot of live events. I traveled two to three times a month. And then of course, mid-March, 2020, we know how the story goes. That all came to a standstill. And while I, I, I know so many businesses had to pivot quickly, and mine isn't a particular sob story, Given that my husband joined the business and we run it together a few years ago, we moved into a brand new home. At that point, it was a year ago. We did not have as much of a runway as we normally would have, um, A, the three or four years before he joined the business, but also B, just having moved into a new home we built. And so having flashbacks of 2008 where property was no longer worth what you paid for it, we had a lot of concerns about where we would be in the next six months once we dipped into savings. And so we pivoted quickly. And as any parent with children at home knows, pivots are always challenging, but when you're also full-time educator and parent on top of it all, it adds another layer of complication. And just as it sort of felt like, all right, we've brought our corporate programs online, the mastermind that we run for coaches that used to be about leveling up their public speaking and giving them speaker reels, we broadened it. So it was looking at thought leadership more generally, podcasts, interviews, TV interviews, 
presenting online. The virtual stages, absolutely. The virtual stages, mm. it felt like, oh, I can exhale. Literally one week into the school year and exhaling, I got diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Mm. Yeah. And- so, now, so now you've got a new house where you bought it because things are, hey, things are going well. This is really exciting. Then COVID hits, you're homeschooling. Then all of a sudden you get diagnosed with thyroid cancer and everything is changing. The business is changing. Your health has changed. Your, your, your home life has changed. Yeah, that's quite a year. That is quite a, there are many significant relaunches in that, in that you know, one less than 60 second comment. Wow. So how did you, first off, you get through that, I've got it, the virtual stage leadership. How do you then keep the business? Because I I heard you say also your husband is now working as your partner in this business. How'd you keep it together? I can go back to September 1st because it's one of those days that's an easy day to remember the day that I got my cancer diagnosis. I knew in a few days I was starting a mastermind. We were doing a virtual retreat for a new group of women. And my first thought was, if I tell them, they're all going to leave, which is ridiculous. But if I'm to be totally honest, which is the only thing I really know how to be in this season of life, that was my thought. I had a sales conversation right after I got the news. So I remember I told my husband and like whispered to him because I didn't want to tell my daughter at that point, especially in the middle of a school day went out on my balcony, screamed, and then went in and closed a big sale because <laughs> that felt like, okay, I, that's what I, <laughs> I don't know if that makes any you sense. You were in control. No, you were in control. control. You knew what to do. You knew what to do in that yeah. specific. You are great at business. Focus. In I on am. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, when you get too many things going on and, uh, you know, we've talked about this in many different, you know, podcasts that, when it rains, it pours, when things start to, you know, and why is that, you know, you start to think, oh my gosh, this is happening. And then when you start to think about, oh my gosh, this is happening. Then what do you think bring, you know, comes in your life, another thing and another thing, because that's what you're putting out there. Right. And things start to feel like everything is happening to you, not for you. And I, and I've been there, we've all been there and it's very difficult to kind of look, you know, the opposite way and say, wait a second, I'm, you know, I'm causing this or I'm, you know, propagating this, I'm, I'm making this worse. And you're sitting there like, yeah, I can close a deal. I can close somebody that's like, this is awesome. But you still had that mastermind group that was, that was starting. So what'd you do? So to take a step back, cause you said something that is the core of who I am and what I teach which is I really don't believe anything is ever happening to us. I really believe it's happening for us. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud to look you in the eye as we're talking and say, I knew in that moment this was happening for me. And this was mm-hmm. a part of whatever leveling up needed to happen, even though I was not going to spiritually bypass the pain of that moment or try to figure out what that lesson was in you know an hour's time. Mm, that awareness it's it's called a relaunch journey yeah that awareness yeah from um the last time I could really remember having what I would call a come to Jesus moment and I want to be clear that that doesn't have to be religious at all I describe a come to Jesus moment as one of those moments where you just get knocked really hard to the ground and 
you question whether or not you're ever going to be able to stand up and stand tall again. For me, the last really significant one of those was after my daughter was born and I had postpartum depression. And in many ways, although I've gone through a lot of difficult moments, postpartum depression was the hardest because I really no longer trusted my own voice because I couldn't hear it for the first time. How this, long did that, how long did that last for you? Um, so I, my daughter was born in January and it hit fast. So I would say within three weeks, four weeks into her birth, I knew that something was really wrong. Um, for some, I think post, one of the myths of postpartum depression is that it's depression. And for me, it was postpartum anxiety, but anxiety to the point where I couldn't function. My husband who was still working a full-time job had to extend his leave. And I was terrified to even pick up my daughter because I was convinced that I would drop her and hurt her, even though I didn't have any um, mm -hmm. desire to do harm. Mm -hmm. What I learned from that experience, well, two things. One, trust your knowing about your body when something is chemically off. And I knew something was off that an antidepressant wasn't the only thing. And it took a while to be able to have all my female hormones tested to realize there was a critical progesterone issue. And so the, the comeback was pretty quick. I would say within less than a week after starting on progesterone, things really started to shift. But the other big one was I had given myself this long maternity leave. And the thing that brought my sense of self back the fastest was work. Not that I needed to work full time, but even just working 10 or 15 hours a week on a few projects solidified, I know who I am and I know my value. And then that started to finally drip into my sense of who I could be as a mom. So to come back to this moment, I knew that what makes me an incredible coach, particularly for women, particularly for those who are trying to amplify their voice, their visibility, their influence in the world is my ability to tell stories and to talk truth. And so at that retreat, I didn't start that way because goodness knows that would have been a real killjoy for the two days we were together, <laughs> but about six, nah, maybe like 80% of the way in. So right before, right uh, before lunch on the second day, cause I knew I wanted to give people a break so that they could, you know, take it. And I explained, and by that point, I don't know, I was three or four days into my diagnosis, but whenever someone delivers bad news, I always want to know what's that mean for me. And so by that point, I could say, what this means for you is I'm going to need to have surgery. I'm planning to do it in December around the holidays. And therefore there will be minimal interruption in January. If I need more downtime to rest, I'm going to hire affiliate coaches to be able to step in. But all the hours that you were told you will have with me, you're still going to have, they might just be redistributed. So some months you'll actually have more lex time. What wound up happening is I had in in the, the rebrand, uh, to use your terminology, a really mm -hmm. toxic experience with the surgeon that I was planning to go with, who was, I'm going to use the word cruel. Those who are mm -hmm. in the leadership development, self-improvement world would use some different terms and to, mm -hmm. to describe his behavior, but I'm going to leave it at that because I'm a classy lady. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, you are. But I made the decision to get a second opinion from 
another center in the United States. And they fortunately concurred with my own burgeoning sense that I was having a considerable amount more surgery than what the situation warranted. And so with their blessing, I decided to postpone the surgery until later in the year so that I could travel and still finish the school year at home with my daughter and not add more disruption to an already really disruptive year for her. So the irony is that I wound up giving the people in my mastermind far more than what they'd invested in. So they all felt thrilled in the end, <laughs> like, oh, we got all these extra things and we didn't ever have a break from you. So it worked out well. You know what I find super interesting about your story is that sometimes when we feel like I can't share this because expectations are here and that might, you know, be something viewed negatively in their mind. What we're doing is we're trying to interpret what the other person will feel about a situation. And you can never interpret that. You can't ever understand how somebody else is going to react. And I, I, you know, I'm listening and I'm like, absolutely. It's so, we, we try to coddle different situations and make sure that, you know, but I'm going to do this and I'm going to, I've even done, and I, and what I love about this story is that I've even done this with my own, my own, you know, business um, groups that I coach when I was recently moving and like, you know, making sure I don't want to discuss too much because I don't want them to think it's going to any way, shape or form change, you know, what's going on with them. And, you know, my dad is super sick, so I don't really want to talk about that. And you all of a sudden realize, and it goes back to even why I created this show is that when you do share, it's human condition that I've gotten more outreach of love of support of, you know, what can I, you know, what can I do to help and how's it going? And that it's actually given me that shot of adrenaline, that shot of like, oh my gosh, you know, the world is there. There's amazing people in this world. And so I actually, as you said, you know, this is going for me. It's working for me. I sit there and now I have part of my gratitude practice. I'm like, I love and so appreciate the people that I work with. I just want more of them so that we can keep relaunching and keep bringing them to that next level because I'm getting so much in return. And that's, you know, really what I'm hearing from you too, is that you're now at that point, you've, you know, do you consider that you've crossed the chasm? How, are, are we, are we past this year? Are we now on the other side of being able to see the silver linings or are we still in the process? Absolutely still in the process. Yeah. From the standpoint of, I feel like my leveling up as a human has been greater in the last year than at any other point in my life. Mm. And I'm happy to share what some of those lessons and deep knowings are. But the reality is, is that I still have cancer and I haven't had my surgery yet. So yeah. That's what you had shared with me. So I just, you know, as much as I would love to say, like the lessons are learned and lessons are learned. I'm also aware that I can't control what's going to happen in surgery. And I'm in a place of true surrender and trust about it. But that journey is going to be what that journey is going to be. Even if I like the plan that we have in place now more than the plan that had previously been in place. Well, and you trusted your intuition you felt like the other doctor was, you know, going to be doing too much, taking too much out. And I um, want to be 
clear that yeah. that mix of trusting my intuition, but also following the science. And I think, you know, the sense that science is always objective, that was thrown out the window in 2020 and 2021, that like, there are some things that are scientifically true, but then there's some things where there's a spectrum of scientific truth. Like there's some stuff that's just like categorically not true, but there's a lot that's in that gray space of like, it could be a few different ways. And so for me, I did a lot of research on the type of thyroid cancer I have and the way it was being treated in all different countries. This was not me waking up and saying, you know, my intuition says that if I just drink celery juice every single day, this will go away. And I do want to be clear about that because I feel that sense of responsibility. I've had intuitive hits in my life that have been wrong. But in this case, it was that mix of, you know, I'm waking up in the night, I'm having like, horrendous dreams. I'm feeling attacked by this surgeon. And I've, I, when I look at the research, he's on the more aggressive side. And there's been a lot of research suggesting that people do really well with less surgery. So mm. it, it was that. Mix. Yeah. So when you said, you know, the lessons learned and I know you're and and Hey, this is life. We all go through relaunches. And for many listeners, they could be going through one right now. What, what were, if you can talk about some of those lessons that you have learned from the experience that you're currently in deep in right now? So this is a tough one to say, but I'm going to say it because it's the truth. And I suspect there's people listening, particularly if they fall in the coach or consultant uh, world that need to hear it, that revenue is not the best indicator of coaching success. And what I mean by that is I think I've been the best I've ever been as a coach in the last year, more empathy, more capacity, more ability to have creative insights on behalf of my clients, more ability to have give candid feedback, but this was a lower revenue year. And a few years ago, if I'd had a lower revenue year as things were accelerating, I would have internalized I did something wrong. If only I had done X, Y, or Z differently, this wouldn't have happened. And I can learn from that lesson. I'm not a bad person, but like, let's never have that happen again. And I feel so differently about it now. Um, I recognize that in many businesses, there's ups and downs with revenue that are not driven by mistakes or not being ahead and not having forecasted. Now, is there a lesson here where I can make sure that I have a much more significant runway than I had this last year? Absolutely. Like that's a lesson I'm committed to not having to learn again, but the just drop in revenue. Like it, I, I really had to sit with that for a hot minute of like, I'm still as amazing of a coach as I was couple of years ago when it was our highest revenue year, I'm actually even better now because I've grown up through this process and I'm able to be with my individual clients, but even my group clients in a deeper way. So that's one lesson, I think. Oh, uh, and it rings so true. I got to say, it's like, you know, the bells are going off in my head that, you know, it goes back to being vulnerable, talking about the times where you just even saying, hey, this hasn't been a great year in terms of revenue, but my gosh, you're even that much better. And I know when I talk about some of the mistakes, some of the really crappy times 
in business where, you know, and I, I discussed this um, on air in, you know, small bits and I still need to do that like heavy duty one because it'll be so cathartic for myself and I'm sure everyone's going to be like, oh, but, you know, I ended up having one of my board members go to federal prison for three years and basically, you know, drag us all down. And I came out of it, it took time to realize that I am better because it wasn't just, you know, a swan song and like, woo, everything is great. And I'm going to, you know, go out with just having all the, the successes in life. Heck no. I think that you said it so well. We become that much better when we actually have to go through it first times. I mean, I hate to say it, it's who you end up being. And that's what you can, that's when you really can relate to people. And I, you know, I coach just like you do. I coach people that have like, you know, wow, they've really, you know, they haven't had too many hardships, but then when they hit that hardship, it's like, oh, knocks them, you know, down at the knees. And then I've had people that have been like, knocked down, knocked down, knocked down. But there's that, that ability to really, it's how you look at it. It's how you can incorporate it in. And as you're saying, your, your empathy has grown, your capacity, you're, you're able to give like awesome, candid feedback. And that makes you a better coach now, without a doubt. For sure. As I'm reflecting on this, probably the other biggest lesson I've learned is that usually when there's a pivot or shift that I want to make, but don't, the universe is going to nudge me along in a way to make it. And so if I could do that for myself, that would be gravy because <laughs> when the universe does it, it's a lot more forceful than when I do it for myself. And what I mean by that is one of the things that I've been carrying forward since my book came out in 2018 was wanting to certify other coaches in the step into your Moxie vocal empowerment process. Now, the book came out in 2018. We're currently sitting in 2021. Had the idea as I was writing the book. So now we're really going back to 2017. And then I had other projects and other commitments. And in the middle of the re-envisioning of where is the business going to go, suddenly creating certification didn't only feel like this is a really important thing to be able to do in terms of the legacy I want to leave, but this is also really important so that the work lives beyond me. So even when we build really successful coaching businesses, if we are still doing a lot of the coaching, even if it's high ticket and something happens to us, that's not a great scenario. And I had several friends get diagnosed with cancer at the same time I did. And while I would never encourage a single person to tell another person who's diagnosed with cancer, oh, I'm so glad it's not that bad, or I'm so glad you have one of the good cancers. Like if somebody says that about their own experience, cool, but do not put that on someone else. Uh, I digress. But watching other people whose cancer diagnoses meant they had to go through chemo and radiation and multiple surgeries and have to step back from careers or businesses, it was like, I really got a lifeline here that mm. this is difficult, but this is actually not the thing that financially um, is going to upend everything. And I want to make sure that if something in the future happens health-wise, that I've built a business that is not just secure with great people on the back end automating things, but there's other people who can do this work. Oh, creating the legacy, 
creating that going from solopreneur to entrepreneur to we call it the smart savvy you know ceo being able to say life could happen but have you set up and it's not just coaching businesses it's any business have you really looked at the what if and it's the plan you know plan b what if and that's really when you lean into you have a successful long-term business. When something happens, like you're going through, and if all of a sudden you do need to step aside for a little bit, it still continues forward. It doesn't just shut down. So what a great, what a great comment. Thank you for bringing that up as well. Wow. So you're now in this incredible next step. It's kind of the, the phase two of the relaunch. And you're going to be going forward with treatment. In the meantime, you're creating this legacy business, which is so incredible. You've got your, your kids, you've got your husband as your business partner. And what in terms of as we, as we get into, and I'm just going to kind of like pivot here a little bit, as we call, you know, take a little, you know, stage right and when we talk about, you know, rapid fire questions, what do you feel is something that can stop you in your tracks? Because right now you've had a lot of things hit you, but what, what do you feel really does stop you at this point? When I get uncomfortable in my body and mm -hmm. I don't use the tools that I have available to feel safe in my body again. That's so great. That's so great. So tell me about the tools that you use. And, and I want to explain it. And then I promise I'll yeah. share a couple of tools because I realize someone listening might say, I do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> Don't worry. That's part of these questions. I'll start to ask, make sure if I understand it, I figure, okay, I got it now. Maybe they do too. <laughs> and that I want to say of all the lessons I've learned, and I didn't even share it is the biggest that we can do difficult things. We can live through difficult things. We can say difficult things, but if we don't feel okay going through difficult things in our body, we won't do any of that. And as somebody who has had sexual abuse um, in her history, who's had postpartum depression and now has cancer, like there's a lot of discomfort I felt in my body. And when I just stop and try to just feel better then usually I get off path. But when I recognize the goal is not to take the pain away, the goal is to feel safe while feeling the pain, then everything shifts. And for me, one of the biggest things has been tapping our emotional freedom technique, because no matter what I'm feeling in a moment, I can always lower the threshold of that discomfort within 10 minutes of EFT. I'm so for those that don't know what EFT yeah. is or tapping, let's, let's make sure we, we yep. explain that part of it. So the emotional freedom technique, and I want to be clear, like I, I don't teach classes in it. I'm more of a student of it, but the idea is that you don't have to go through and relive all the trauma that you might be experiencing in your body, whether that's big T trauma or whether that's little T trauma, but that if you can simultaneously tap on meridian points, and so there's a structure of where you tap 
And you start by going through negative rounds of really owning what are those negative thoughts and feelings that you're embodying, and then move into positive rounds of what you're trying to condition yourself into thinking and feeling, you will transmute that discomfort in your body and feel back in your power. So great. So that's the number one. Yeah. A second one is straight up visualization or meditation. So sometimes I'm great and I can meditate on my own when discomfort is, you know, like at a level five or lower. But if something is causing me to feel at a level six, a level seven, level eight, I need to listen to somebody else because I don't have the self-discipline to bring my brain back. But going through and letting myself focus my mind just on coming back. So one of the things I always say to people who don't meditate is the goal is not to have to stop having thoughts. The goal is when you have the thoughts to notice them and then come back, come back, come back. Um, and then the who third do you, thing- who do you, well, before you go on, who do you like in terms of those self-guided? I like David Yee a lot. David, David Yee? David Yee, sorry. David E. David E. Okay. Good to know. Because I do think people, sometimes it's confusing to say, you know, can you go deep within yourself and do them and you start to, you know, really get into that quiet space or sometimes it is absolutely so helpful to have somebody guiding you into that. So thank you, David. All right. And then you had one more. And then physical movement. And so this is different than exercise, but I will say this a lot to people who are looking to get comfortable before they're giving a speech or negotiating or having some high stakes conversation is oftentimes people will go straight to the meditation or visualization, but there's so much sensation in the body. The best thing we can do is first move it, whether that's jumping jacks, going for a run, getting on the yoga mat, a little Pilates, but get the heart rate up and sweat, then layer in the calming. And I find that physiologically that sets me up, but it also sets the people I work with up um, in a better way. Oh, I'm a, I dance. I put that music on and I just, you know, even if it's one or two songs and I, right now I'm really like, this girl is on fire. And I sit there and I'm like, yes, yes, I am. And that does change because, you know, when you have the movement and then it just, for me, that song just, it just makes me happy. So yes, I love all of this. And I want to ask you as um, one of the, the rapid fire questions, Moxie. We talk about powerhouse of possibility as, you know, what I always ask to find. I'd like you to further define what the moxie maven means to you. So quick, uh, just foregrounding what that, what, um, where the title came from. So I got press from the White House Office of Public Engagement when I was doing an in-person moxie camp was probably 2011 or 2012 and they did an article about me um and that event and my approach to women's leadership and they used that title in the article of moxie maven but of course the best press is the press that you don't it's not what you say in the press it's what someone else says about you and so no that's where i started to use that language but for me moxie is both a mindset and a skill set but it's it's an active process of as I said, I think at the beginning, being able to walk into anything, any room, any conversation onto any stage, and then unapologetically speak up for yourself, 
for ideas, for issues that matter most to you. And then that final piece, calling people to take action. It's not enough to be honest and to inspire. Moxie is ultimately changing people's lives, businesses, careers, health, because they take action. Oh, okay. So right now I am merging the Moxie Maven and the powerhouse of possibility, and we're going to have a Moxie powerhouse. <laughs> Love it. That is so good. That's what we all need to be like thinking about as we go into the next week. All right. So last but not least, what is your favorite beauty product by name? My favorite beauty product is a lotion that I first found on the island of Kauai. The lotion is called Kai, K-A-I, and it's on my desk because I put this on my hands all the time. It is by Gay, G-A-Y-E, Straza. It's a body lotion and it's rose. And it feels like I am in Hawaiian. I'm married to Hawaiian, so I'm Hawaiian. Oh, and I've used it and I love it. And it they also have perfume in it. Yes. And you don't have to go to Hawaii to get it. Um, I've gotten refills in the mainland uh, online, but it's delicious. I love that. And I have right. sensitive uh, skin and it doesn't make me get red or itchy or anything else. No, and I actually like the roll-on perfume. I mean, it like goes on very lightly and you're like, oh, it's so good. Okay. So Alex, how can people find you? How can they hear more about your Moxie programs, your camps? Where, where can they go? So I have a website, I actually have two websites, but the one to go to is stepintoyourmoxie.com. If you're curious to learn more about the organizational work that I do or certification, and if you happen to be a coach or consultant who wants to do more of the personal work around your speaking and your thought leadership, then alexiavernon.com is the place to go. I also love LinkedIn. I have a LinkedIn learning course on persuasive communication. And so for people who are in more traditional JOBs, I know that's the place uh, that's, that usually makes the most sense to connect. So if you did listen to this interview, please let me know that this is why you're connecting and we will chit chat from there. Mm, and I'm sure I am not the only one that's gonna be expressing this to you, but in your upcoming journey, for relaunching everything you're going to be going through. I want you to know that I'm sending you light. I'm sending you love and just pushing you up, pushing you up to give you all that strength. All right. So what a pleasure it's been to have you on and what an incredible Moxie Maven and just overall amazing person. And I've enjoyed talking so much to you. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. I've enjoyed listening to you ask provocative questions of others and now getting to experience it for myself. You really are a magical holder of space. And so thank you for this opportunity. Wonderful. You take care. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch. If I said something today that resonated with you, Will you please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others and help them find the silver linings as well. And don't forget, you can have immediate access to the show notes, any giveaways, and the links to those amazing beauty products at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next time, there's always a silver lining 
And now is the time to hit the reset button to relaunch those transitions into transformations.